going to dive right in today. I, I want to give you a little bit of a warning. This is my disclaimer. I'm going to say this. We have children's ministry for a reason. Because <laughs> today, I'm going to talk about the one thing outside of pride that the enemy is using to steal the spiritual authority of the church in the United States of America. It's just this one thing that if the church could operate in, then we would see God anoint more and impact even more. I want to talk today about purity. I'm going to preach a message called the look of longing. This is the secret sin. I'm going to do my best to keep it PG. It may go up to about PG-12. Can I help you today as a parent with a 10-year-old? If you are waiting until 12 to have conversations about purity, you are about seven years too late in this society. We've got to be willing to have open and honest conversations about the things that people really deal with, not just the feel-good things that everybody wants to hear on Sunday. I'm talking about the things that the enemy likes to mess with you in regards to your spirit that cut you the deepest because he's whispering in those enticements when nobody else is around. We're in a series called The Challenge. And that challenge for our guest and for those who have been here with us is that you would go all in with us at New Hope. If you don't have a church home, we are inviting you to jump into next steps. We are inviting you to sign up. It's not too late to sign up and find a small group where you can meet some new people and begin to form relationships that will actually build you up and not just break you down. To sign up for a freedom group, 13 weeks of discipleship and deliverance all in one that will end in our very own freedom retreat conference right here at our church in November. We're looking forward to it. We're excited about it. But we want people to fully engage. That is the challenge. That you would give Jesus one year of your life. As Joseph gave Jesus 13 years of his life. We're in the book of Genesis. You can turn in your Bibles to chapter 39 today. We are evaluating and going through, I don't know what this is, but if I step on it one more time, it's going to give me more anxiety than you're going to want to hear about. Hey, so Genesis chapter 39, we are going through the story of Joseph. We have seen some of the trials that Joseph is going through. If you want to join us, we are reading, I am reading through a book called Dream to Destiny by Pastor Robert Morris, Dream to Destiny. In his book, he says he believes that every child of God has a destiny, a divine destiny upon their lives. But there are things in this world that can keep us there are things in our hearts that can keep us from achieving God's divine destiny for our lives. Outside of pride, which we went over a few weeks ago, one of the greatest things that can keep us, one of the, the things that I have seen literally knock mighty men and women of God out of their influence for God. This one word, 
Character. Character. Now, I could say integrity. I could say who you are when nobody else is looking. I could say how you love people that can't do anything for you in return. Character. It is the thing, yes, God will save me. And God will anoint me. And God will send me. And God will forgive me. But God will not take control of a character that is not surrendered to him. So when we do not surrender, we keep in our hands what's supposed to be placed in his hands. Genesis 39, we see that Joseph is still in the process of preparation. He's still being designed for his destiny. Pick up with me in verse 7 of Genesis chapter 39. It came to pass after these things. What was these things? He had had a dream. He bragged about it to everybody that he saw, including his older brothers, which was dumb. And then his father, even his family. So his brothers threw him in a pit. They wanted to kill him. One brother saved him. They sold him into slavery. And then he gets put into Potiphar's house as a slave. But the Lord was with him, and everything he put his hand on was successful. I just gave you four weeks of a series in 30 seconds or less. You are welcome. You don't even have to go. Go back and watch it now. It came to pass after all of those things that his master's wife cast longing eyes. She gave him a look of longing and she said, lie with me. Now you can see that the character of Joseph is still being home, but you don't see the 17-year-old arrogant youngest little brother that we saw just a few chapters ago. You see him beginning to be molded into the image that God created him to be. He, verse 8, refused and said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house. He has committed all that he has to my hand. Verse 9 there is no one greater in this house than I. Now just pause right there. Now this is how we know that Joseph has not arrived. Because that is not something that you say to any woman, especially the woman of the house. I'm in your house. And you know that he has committed more to me and I am greater than you. This is how we know he's still young and dumb. He's still got some stupid. God's got to filter out. For him, He's got to sift some things out of Joseph because you don't say that to a woman, period. Certainly. Can I just see real quick, just wave. If you were the woman of the house, can you just wave at me? If, if you're with a woman of the house and you know that you don't look at her and say, I am greater than you in this house, woman. If that's just something that would cause a little friction in your relationship. We're just being honest. Anybody that didn't wave, you're a liar. And God's going to work on that with you. Look, my master, he doesn't know there's no one greater in this house than I. Nor has he kept back anything from me but you. When the enemy sees you being successful in ways that he's never been able to, he will turn up the attack of enticement upon you because he does not want to see you win. When the enemy, hear me, listen, when the enemy sees that the master has replaced him with you, then he 
will try to seduce you back out of the authority that God has provided for you. And that's what's happening to Joseph right now. He did not lie with her because you're his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness, watch this, and sin against God? How can I sin against God? See, this is no longer about me losing my family, my finances, my future, my friends, my children, my bride. This is no longer about my ministry. This is about my relationship with Jesus. Joseph understood that the only reason that he has anything is because the Lord was with him and his hand was upon him and everything that he did was successful because God was there. And he understood that if he chose her, he couldn't have him. Are you with me? That means that every time that he clicked on something he wasn't supposed to click on, he was choosing her instead of him. I'll get back to that in a minute. I don't want to get stuck there. Verse 10, so it was, as she spoke to Joseph every day, as, so it was, as she spoke to Joseph every day, day by day, he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her, but it happened, verse 11, this time, Listen to me, hear me. If you continually put yourself into situations that is not formulated for your spiritual success, you will fall. What 20-year-old is alone with another man's attractive wife? And we, she, was, she had to be attractive because Egyptian officers weren't known for marrying ugly people. That's just not what they did. They found the prettiest one. They were marrying out of their flesh. These weren't godly people. They found the most beautiful one. And this woman was like a trophy that he would show off to other people. She wasn't ugly. She was easy on Joseph's eyes. And if I just, I'm just thinking, I've been 20. Some of you have been 20. Some of you are there and, and you, you kind of know what I'm talking about. Or you're in that range or on the way to that range. And, and you know that if another man's attractive wife kept looking at you with longing eyes, even if you didn't do anything about it, there was something inside of you that was being fulfilled every time she did something she wasn't supposed to. And Joseph kept going back to that well. He didn't drink of the water, but he kept looking at it. And then something happened because Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were inside as if he didn't know that she was in there by herself. As if that 20-year-old hadn't done this day by day, every day. Walked into this situation over and over and over. I just can't seem to get out of my sin. Well, why don't you stop going to it? One way to get out is to stop going in. That's, that's some, somebody should have wrote that down. I don't have that. Can you write that? I need to put that in my notes for the second and third service. Joseph kept going back. Kept going back. And he didn't take anybody with him. He didn't have any accountability. And every day this took place. So verse 12. That day she caught him by his garment. Saying lie with me. But Joseph the pure and undefiled that he was. And I know. What, real, what he realizes, he'd done taken this, this flirtatious look of longing a little too far. And he realized that he was about to lose everything that he was headed towards. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and ran outside. 
He fled. Listen to me, hear me. Some of you have heard this before. There is no management program for impurity. There is no, like, certain place that you can go. Well, if I don't go this far, well, as long as I don't do this. There is, there is no process or three-step process for managing impurity or immorality. Paul's plan for overcoming immorality was flee. New Living Translation says, run from sexual sin of all types. That's God's way out, that you may escape, not manage, not, not hone, not only have a little bit, but flee. Listen, any dose of immorality in any form is more than the Bible wants you to have. It's kind of like any dose of cocaine. Well, I just have a little cocaine. Maybe just a five-cent shot glass that they sell over the counter 50 years ago. I just have a little bit of cocaine. Maybe just a little meth. Like, I don't want a lot of meth. I don't want to become an addict. And I know, just a little. Just a little of this. And the enemy now has a foothold in your destiny. And he has a foothold in your character. So number one, if you're taking notes... I believe the number one thing that we can do in this area is look away. Look away. Because the battle takes place in my brain. This battle for my purity, this pursuit of purity, it takes place in my brain. It's a choice between my ears. And, and listen, it's an issue of my heart. It's a battle in my brain, but it's an issue of my heart. Out of the heart of man comes every evil thing. The heart of man is deceitfully wicked above all things. These are biblical truths, okay? So that's where the issue lies. But listen to me. It only gets in my heart if it goes through my eyes. So the battle begins with my eyes. So I have to train my eyes to look away. Now, my youth pastor used to preach this, and he would say, it's not the first look that will get you. It's the second look. Now, I'm a manipulator by nature. Jesus is still working that out of me. And so I said, okay, well, I'll just look once for a really long time. So I got good at not taking a second look, but I got really good at taking one really long look. It's not a, hear me, it's not a sin to see something that you're not supposed to. It becomes a sin when you begin to look at it. Because when you begin to look at it, hear me, you begin to meditate on it. And you begin to long for it. And now you're engaging in the process of sin that James describes in chapter 3 of the book that the Holy Spirit inspired him to write. The look becomes a longing look. And the longing becomes a lust now listen, here's the difference between lust and love. Lust is a feeling. Love is a commitment. Love is an action. Love has nothing to do with emotion. I don't care how Hollywood has defined it for you. It's not an emotion. Love is a commitment. It's an action. Lust is a feeling. In other words, love will commit to pursuing purity for five years, but lust will not wait five minutes. Lust doesn't care if there's a Bible on the console. It will move the Bible to get to what it wants. 
That's the difference between love and lust. And when we look, we begin to long. And when we long, we begin to lust. And it's only a matter of time before lusting turns into living. And you can put that however you want to. Here, let me say it this way just to make it simpler. When you begin to entertain the thought, the thought begins to entice you. And when the thought begins to entice you because you entertained it, it's only a matter of time until you engage, until you act on the thought. So if Joseph was about to be thrown into prison because he was falsely accused by a woman that was longing and looking at him, if God allowed Joseph to go through that because somebody else was looking at him, my question is, how much more does God want us to look away? Joseph went through a trial. Man, you could hear a pin drop in here today. <laughs> Joseph was essentially disciplined for not convincing someone else to look away. How much more does God want us oh preacher it's not a big deal yeah I mean I, I just like to look you know it's just a look I'm not hurting anybody you know as long as they don't catch me as long as you know it doesn't it doesn't turn out to actually become anything oh preacher the ladies may say this this pastor his standards are too high I just I, it's just nice to be noticed it's just nice to be noticed my shirt may be in a little lower than it was supposed to be, and that's all he was noticing, but it's still just nice. I just, you know, my husband hadn't looked at me that way in a long time. My daddy didn't fulfill that void, and so it's just, it just feels something. Yeah, it's called dopamine. It's a chemical that shoots through your veins that the enemy entices you with, but God meant for intimacy. It's something that God meant to be beautiful that's turning into bondage because you're not looking away. And if you think it's okay to look, then ask David. There was this king in the Old Testament. His name was David. David became king, and he was a great and mighty man. He was, the Bible describes him as a man after God's own heart, but he had a problem. He liked to look. Now, the Bible says that he walked out on his terrace one night, and he saw a woman bathing. I'm just going to go out on a limb because I've seen how this thing works. And just throw out a theory that this is not the only night that King David walked out on that terrace. I'm just going to go out on a theological limb and balance on the edge of this cliff. And present to you the possibility that this is not the only woman that David liked to watch bathe. The king knew where the women were. And he could have ordered every woman... To bathe inside. But for some reason, he allowed one right over his palace terrace. And it wasn't long that the looking turned into a longing. And the longing turned into a lust. That he was willing to break covenant so that he could fulfill covet of another man's wife. So he called her up. Her name was Bathsheba. And she was taken to the king's room. And the rest of the story is that he laid with her. And he had his friend murdered. And he lied about it. And that look, hear me, that look cost David some problems. The enemy only gets what we give him. 
the enemy, hear me, the enemy only has access to what we open in Jesus' name. Now, if we're not in Christ, he has access to everything. But when we're in Christ, he only has access to the windows that we open. Guys, the, the devil is not omniscient. It means he's not all-knowing. It means he only knows what we show him. He only hears what we say. That's why it's so important that you may think something. That doesn't mean you have to say it out loud. Because the devil doesn't know your thoughts. But when you speak it, you just gave him an edge. And even your words can become an open window to the enemy. Even our words can grant the enemy access to God's authority. He is looking for an opportunity. So we need to take point number one, as I just preached the teeth off of it for about 10 minutes, look away, and we need to make that a mandate for all of mankind. In other words, if it's not your spouse, then you don't get to look. If it's not your spouse, then don't entertain the look because the entertaining will turn into an enticing that will ultimately turn into an action. And I'm telling you that if you will learn now, today, this afternoon, seven days of fasting just in this area to look away from the things that you used to look at, if you will make look away a mandate, if you will look away from inappropriate images on the internet, if you will look away from that Netflix film or that Amazon Prime or whatever app you've got rolling on your TV right now. If you will look away from that TV MA or possibly even TV 14 program. If you will look away from those commercials. Some of you are still using these. If you will look away from those magazines. <laughs> but most of us have graduated and we carry those magazines around in our pocket. If you will look away, hear me, from those secret apps. If you will look away from those movies. If you will look away from that girl that is exposing things that only Jesus and her husband are supposed to see. And just by the way, if you want to work out in your spandex, I still recommend covering your backside. But those things definitely ain't made for Walmart. Come on, somebody. I'm just trying to help you. Those were made for your house, not everybody else's eyes. Plus, they tell too much truth. Come on, they're like a toddler in alcohol. There is no way to hide from those things. Like they can just, anyways, we'll just keep going. Look away. Ladies, listen, you got to help us. And, I, and us, all of us. Because we don't grow out of this. Well, they ought not be looking. Yeah, you're right, and you ought to quit giving them so much to look at. It's a two-way street, baby. we on the same team, and we're all trying to pursue purity. Hey, ladies, don't look back. When that guy's trying to fill his flirtatious fix with you out in public in the restaurant, at the gym, in the store, wherever it is. Hey, look, look away. From that inappropriate text message. Look away from that inappropriate Facebook friend request. Have I got you yet? Look away from that dirty DM that somebody sent you. Some of y'all are like, what's a dirty DM? Y'all got to Google. Don't, do, don't Google dirty DM. Not a good idea. <laughs> Look away 
from that Snapchat invite that you think disappears. All it takes is one subpoena and it all comes back up. Look away. Look away. Share your password with somebody. Listen, young people, look away and save your future. Ladies and gentlemen, look away. Sons and daughters, look away and save your family. Look away and save God's destiny. Look away and keep your character. Number two, stay away. Stay away. This is where Joseph failed. See, God wants us to walk in spiritual authority. Y'all okay? I know that was a long first point. We're going to fly through the next two. We even have an illustration to keep your attention. <laughs> Stay away. See, Joseph may have looked away and Joseph may have walked away, but he kept going back. So when you walk away, you've got to stay away. Either that or you've got to keep somebody else in the way. You can get a friend and keep your friend in the way. The first night I met Megan, she was dating somebody else. I wasn't dating anybody, so I pursued her anyway because I figured if I could break them up, they didn't need to be together. Come on, somebody. My plan worked out, for the record. But that night, she took one of her friends and she put her friend in my way. And it worked. I went along my way. And if you will take a friend and or a loved one, and you will put them in the way, then they will help you stay away. But Dave, Joseph and David, they didn't stay away. Joseph kept going back over and over again. We must choose. Although God wants us to walk in spiritual authority, God wants us to walk in spiritual authority. It is his desire. It is why he sent his son. Listen to me. Just hold that up there for a minute because the enemy wants to rob this. And he doesn't want to rob this with the things that you do in front of everybody. I mean, that's enough. He can do that with our language and with what we allow in our lives and what people know about us in public, etc., etc. He can, he can do that with our public example. But the enemy doesn't need our public life in order to rob God's spiritual authority in our private life. See, he wants to rob this in places that other people don't get to see. He wants to rob this with the secret sin of pornographic material. He wants to rob this with the secret longing of coveting another man's spouse, another woman's spouse, or a desire for an actress or an actor or a character that Hollywood, or, or airbrushed pictures in other inappropriate places. I know it's a little uncomfortable, but don't leave the church unless you're going to go home and delete Netflix. Don't get uncomfortable in the sanctuary with things that you've been letting come out of your TV for the last six months. Come on, just because we're talking about it as the church, <laughs> instead of just allowing it in the church, doesn't mean that we should get uncomfortable now. No, 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 let's be uncomfortable out there so that we can be more comfortable in here. Stay away. Why? Because that's what caused Joseph to fail. Day by day, nobody with him. See, my character is only as strong as my accountability. That's the one area where I fail. My character is only as strong as my accountability. And I'm not talking to you. I don't know how strong your character is. I just know for Chris. See, I don't know who I am in Christ alone. I know who I was apart from him as well. Now, I do know who I am in Christ alone. I just remember who I'm not.
not without him. So my character, hear me, is only as strong as my accountability. And listen, my accountability is only a strength if, if it has boundaries. And so we need to set up boundaries. So here's what I want to ask. You need to be able to answer this question. Who is my accountability? Who? Is it my spouse? Is it my friend? Now listen, I love y'all, but if you look around, there's a lot more of you than there are me. So I can't be all y'all's accountability. Well, I tried to talk to the preacher and he never called me back. Well, come on, give me a break. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have leaders. That's why we have more people in more places. Connect to other people. Connect to, bring them in and be open and honest. Because if your life is an open book, then the enemy doesn't have an opportunity to hide in the corners. Who? Who is my accountability? And if you don't have accountability, then everybody, or at least somebody, doesn't have access to your life. That means in that area, the enemy does have access because that place is not open to other people, so it's open to him. And the Bible says, he who hides, listen to me, he who hides sin in his heart shall not prosper. God resists the proud. We already talked about pride. But now we're talking about secret sin. We're talking about you walking in your destiny. Who is my accountability? What are my boundaries? What are my boundaries? Couples, you need to identify your boundaries. Write them down. Single people, yours have got to be even stronger. Because the enemy will entice you in ways that he will make it seem like it's okay because, and then you will think, well, that the answer to your impurity is getting married. The problem is marriage is not the answer to impurity. It just adds to it. So wherever you are in life, in your singleness with Jesus and friendships or in marriage with a spouse, you got to have boundaries. What are some boundaries? Well, one example for our boundaries is we don't text and call and ride alone with members of the opposite sex. And today we have to expand that into people of the same sex that we may be attracted to. You need accountability and you need boundaries. My wife will pick up my phone and read everything or anything that she wants to. She has access to anything and everything in my life. Why? Because I put her in the way of the enemy. I don't have friends with people of the opposite sex. Ladies, we love you, but you're not meeting with me alone. It's not happening. Miss Debbie, Amber, Pastor Letitia, my wife, somebody will be in that room. We don't even meet with people alone, period, very much anymore because people like to take what you said in a meeting along and twist it into something that you didn't say and then try to church, split the church over something that you didn't even say. So we have to have accountability and we have to have boundaries. And we have to be careful. I don't have friends with people of the opposite sex that aren't my wife. I have friends with people through my wife. Or you can be friends with people through your friends. You have to have accountability. I'm telling you, listen to me. If you don't have accountability, the enemy has access. Where you don't have accountability, the enemy has access. You rem listen, remember this statement. This was a prophetic warning into your life's destiny. Where you don't have accountability, the enemy has access. Because my accountability is only a strength if it has boundaries. And my character is only as strong 
as accountable as I am accountable to those boundaries. We have to stay away. Why? Because if you're not careful, your promotion will lead to your imprisonment. See, my fall is not worth my future. Let me say it this way. My impurity in a moment is not worth his authority in the long run. Let me close with this. If my guys will help me set up for this illustration. And we'll get somebody on the keyboard to make you feel like I'm about to let you go. Number three. Run! Oh, not away. See, this is where we mess up. Because we think that we can just get away from all of this stuff. We think that we can just stop doing, he needs some help. I don't know, he's not going to be able to do that all by himself. We think that we, look here, look here, that's okay. Let's, let's be over 10, right here. Um, we think that we can just run away from the stuff and the things and the people. And we think that if we just change what we're doing, then we'll be better. And you may be right. You may be better if you just begin to change what you're doing. But God's desire for us, as many of you hear me say often, is not that we would just run away from the sin so that we can stop sinning and be better versions of ourselves. Guys, listen to me. Mormonism can do that. The military can do that. An act of discipline on our behalf. That's great. It's, it's necessary because disciple begins with discipline. But running just away from those things is not going to be enough. See, Joseph should have run to his master. Are you with me? David should have told Nathaniel what he was struggling with before Nathaniel had to come and prophetically confront him about it. We don't just run away from sin. Come on, we run to the Savior. And when you run to the Savior, something significant happens. See, when I was, I can't even remember, nine or ten years old, I think it was the first time that I saw that inappropriate image that I shouldn't have seen. And what was pure, what was innocent, began to be dirtied up. And then... I began to act on what I was being enticed by. And then I began to watch things in the secret that nobody else knew while doing things in the secret that nobody else knew. And what was pure and what was holy, what was innocent, is now being defiled, is now being tainted. And so here's what I can do. Can you come help me real quick? I want you to hold this strainer to the side over, over the top of this. So what I can do is I can stop looking at things I'm not supposed to. I can strain out 
those impure desires. I can, I can get married. You can just lay that down. I can get married because I've been out of covenant with God and I've been impure with her anyways. Uh, I can stop dressing inappropriately. I can learn how to look away. I can stay away from every little thing. I can sift out all of those stones that were becoming a foundation in my life and I can change what I was doing and become a better version of myself. I'm not carrying the weight that I was carrying, but look, I'm still dirty. Not because of what I'm doing, but just because of what I've done. So instead of just running away from the sin, watch this, David said in Psalm 32, I acknowledged my sin to you. I didn't just acknowledge my sin. Yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm nasty. I'm dirty. I'm rotten. Yep, that's right. You know, I'll just, that's how God made me. I guess I'll just answer to him when I get there. You better not wait. I acknowledge my sin to you. My iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity. And just hold that up there. The iniquity of my sin. Now, one simple explanation of iniquity is like your hidden desires. The sin is any area that falls short of God's glory. Like we, com we compute sin as, as bad deeds or no deeds, right? Things that we shouldn't have done that we did or things that we didn't do that we should have done. But there's an iniquity inside of us. There's a hidden sin, a lustful desire. There's a bondage if we're not careful. There's a fallenness about us, and that is our iniquity. So when David confessed that and acknowledged all of that, and he stopped hiding anything in his life, well, now he's exposed. But listen, his exposure led to his adoption. See, his confession led to his forgiveness. He didn't just run away from the sin. He didn't just go get married to the girl that he messed up with. He didn't just stop looking at the inappropriate images or stop wearing those or stop sending those texts. No, he did more than that. He came into a place where he ran to Jesus. And what was dirty and what was rebellion and what was revolting begins to be purified and begins to be cleansed. I'm not just removing things out of my life. Come on, I'm replacing it with the living water that Jesus has for my life. And when I run to him, I just can't get enough. I can't go there enough. So I stop going to the old places and I start coming to new places. And now my head is anointed with oil and my cup is overflowing. And what used to cause me to fall, and now God is using to fulfill. And I'm not being forsaken and fallen and unforgiven and bitter and broken and bound. I am now free and alive and Christ to do what he called me to do to live as he called me to live and to walk in the divine destiny that he purchased for me because I'm purer than I've ever been because he replaced what was in me despite what I had put in with everything that he had and you know what here's the beautiful piece he's not done as many times as I run to him, over and over and over and over and over, day by day. Hey, how many of you know if impurity can affect your family, 
if impurity can affect your future, if impurity can affect your decisions, if impurity can affect your destiny. The good news today is Jesus doesn't want us to just live out of what we can do. Jesus wants us to live out of who he is. And Jesus overcame all impurity. The Bible says he was tested in every way, and yet he was without sin. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? Father, I thank you for this simple illustration that some of us have seen many times before. But God, for those of us who haven't, I pray that it would be branded into our minds today. That we wouldn't just look away and we wouldn't just stay away and we wouldn't just run away, but we would run to you. Let us run to you, Jesus. Begin the process of allowing you to mold us back into your image and your likeness. I'm not going to make you raise your hand. I'm not going to make you wave at me. But if the enemy has a foothold of your life in this area, I want to invite you right now to begin to be honest with Jesus in your spirit. If the enemy has been enticing you in this area, flirtatious looks, lustful desires, inappropriate images, God's will for you is not even a hint of immorality being mentioned among you. If this is an area in which you've been struggling and possibly even succumbing, I want to offer you right now the opportunity to confess to him. I acknowledge my sin to you, Jesus, the one that paid for my impurity and the only one that can forgive it. And now I invite you to just be free. Be forgiven. Receive that forgiveness right now. If you're in this place and you need to do more than just repent of this area of your life, if you need to truly give your life to Jesus because you never have, or maybe you did, but it's been a long time, and you've since drifted away, if the Holy Spirit is stirring in you that calling right now, you need to surrender all to Him. If I'm talking to you, if He's talking to you, I want to invite you right now with nobody looking around to simply open your hands and your lap as a sign of surrender in a posture to receive. If you're watching online right now, live or later, very simply open up your hands as if God is giving you the gift of his only son and Jesus is replacing your life with his. Church, I want to invite you to partner with anybody that needs to pray this and confess this right now out loud. Come on, if it's you, say it with all of your heart. Confess him now as Lord. Come on, let's say this together. Jesus, forgive me where I fall short for my desires that do not line up with the things or the people that you have for me. Forgive me, cleanse me, save me from the enemy, this world, and myself. I believe you died on the cross, you paid for my sin, and you were raised from the dead 
so I could be new. Jesus, take my life and make it yours. I surrender all. May I follow you with all of my heart from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, somebody give God praise this morning.